It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, player reviews continue as we dig into the season of NBA All-Star Fred Van Vliet. We'll talk about what made him an All-Star in the first part of the season and how things kind of decayed as the season went along as his knees were ground into dust. We'll get into the play of the year, the stat of the year, outlook for 2022-23, all that and so much more with today's wonderful guest, Karina Mustafa of The Parlay. That's coming up in just one second here on Locked On Raptors. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1176 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, May the 11th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can follow, subscribe to, rate, review uh, the podcast and all different podcast apps. You can find all the links to the show at the Twitter account as well. And if you go to YouTube and support the show, you can join the nearly 2,000 people who have taken the plunge to look at my face each and every day. Please go join the group. We're close. Closing in on 2K, I would like to see that happen before, I don't know, the draft, maybe the end of the playoffs, whatever it might be. Thanks in advance if you've done the uh, the thing and subscribed if you have not yet. What are you waiting for, man? Come on, it's a free podcast. It's not much that we ask of you over here at Lockdown Raptors Corp uh, to, to support the show. All right, uh, thanks as always for making us your first listen, and uh, let's get to it. On today's show, we are reviewing the season of Frederick Edmund Van Vliet, the NBA All-Star. He was uh, very, very good for the first, I don't know, two-thirds of the season. After the All-Star break, things kind of got a little bit dicey, and of course in the postseason, he didn't really get to actually compete or play to the full extent of his capabilities, missed the final few games of the series, and uh, it's kind of left, I I think, a bit of a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, but we will dig into that all with today's wonderful guest from the Parlay, and uh, frankly, you know, all over the place, covering the WNBA, covering, I I don't know, tennis, you're you're everywhere, Karina Mustafa, how's it going? (laughs) Hey, Sean, it's so good to be back on here. Very happy to have you back as well. It's also a very special day because it's shorts day. It's hot outside in Toronto today. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Thank you for staying inside and talking to me. I appreciate it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And for those of you listening, I hope you're listening while you're going for a nice summertime walk or whatever that might be as we finally have some uh, non-horrid weather in these parts. Let's get into Fred Van Vliet, Karina. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, Fred Van Vliet, a man from Rockford, Illinois, surely not a stranger to bad weather, uh, but you know his play did not reflect the sour mood of the Midwest during this season. I don't know. I was trying to spin that into something that didn't quite work. <laughs> Either way, uh, Fred Van Vliet, really good season for him. Let's dig into the full readout of the numbers, shall we? If Basketball Reference would stop doing its daily thing where it only stops working for me while the podcast is recording. 65 <laughs> games played for Fred Van Vliet. Played 37.9 minutes a game was just a smidge below Pascal Siakam for the NBA league lead in minutes per game. 20.3 points, 6.7 assists, 4.4 boards, 1.7 steals, half a block, which those are also probably steals considering you know the way those blocks are kind of judged and scored. Uh, 40% from the field, 37% on threes, and 44% on twos. Karina, let's begin this with the, the way we sort of all start all of these player review episodes. We like to start on a positive note. What was your biggest positive takeaway from Fred Van Vliet this season? Yeah, my biggest positive takeaway from Fred this season was just leadership and grabbing the moment. Um, mm -hmm. If you think about how he started, you know, on the bench mob, then he was kind of like Kyle Lowry's, you know, next gen successor, whatever you want to call it. And then now he's kind of just taking the team into his own hands. Like he's said, like, it's my team. Like, you know, it's his team. Um, when he's out, like, as we've seen a little bit with the injury, he's still coaching on the sidelines. He's still very much involved in this team, this team's identity. Um, like on the floor, it's very easy to point out, you know, like he averaged 20 points per game this season. But I think that, you know, if you look at the average of assists per game, that's what I'm kind of looking at. Like he mm -hmm. showed me something else like before. When he had the ball in his hands, he would kind of enter his own little world where he would kind of just like have tunnel vision and like drive to the rim and like get completely destroyed or like just chuck up a three. But I feel like it's gotten a little bit better as the season's progressed. Like he's kind of looking around him more and maybe looking to give his teammates like better opportunities for maybe better shots uh, than we would have probably had before. And mm -hmm. so I think like as he started to adapt to kind of that point guard role more, um, I feel like he's trying to find better opportunities for his teammates. And to me, that leadership and grabbing the moment and making it his own team was kind of like my biggest positive takeaway for him. I think that's a really good point. And, you know, it was kind of the whole reason behind his like all-star push. I think, you know, obviously the, the production was there. It was great. It was wonderful. But I think the thing that really kind of switched with Fred Van Vliet this season was that he started doing the Kyle Lowry things, right? It, it really became hard for me coming on this podcast every day, trying not to draw the Kyle comparisons all the time, but it was undeniable. He was driving winning unlike any player on the team in the first part of the season. That diminished as the season went along. It We'll get into that, of course, in the next segment. But, uh, you know, to start the year, he was everything. It was kind of Fred's show as Pascal was getting back from injury. OG then goes out once Pascal is back and is kind of getting into form. And it really wasn't until like January where the sort of shape of the team took shape, where Pascal kind of became the engine of the offense and Fred kind of hung out off ball. And the bummer for me is that I don't really think we got to see the full extent of what this Raptors team can be with Fred Van Vliet in his optimized role. But, you know, the fact that he kind of showed that he could play at an all-star level in a maybe a bit of an overextended role for his skill set and his size and stuff like that, I think that was sort of my hugely positive takeaway. Like, if that's what you can get when he is asked to do so much, imagine what you can get from him when he's asked to do just a little bit little, little, little bit less, and he can kind of focus on the things that he's really, really damn good at. And that's a lot of things. Um, I also think the really important sort of development for Fred's game this season was in the mid-range, right? Like, he... 
is someone who had never really had much of a two-point game to speak of. He was so three-dependent. He started off the season really well, shooting inside the arc as well, you know, getting to the rim, and you know, I think he was north of 60% points. That kind of dissipated as the season went along, but he really kind of found his, a way to become like a three-level scorer. His mid-range shooting was very, very notably good. Uh, if you go back and look at the uh, the data from the first part of the season, uh, the, uh, you know, the first 50 games he played, I kind of made the cutoff February 17th, which is the day before the post-All-Star game schedule began. He was 44.1% on pull-up twos. Uh, he was 34% uh, on pull-up threes as well, which is not bad. We'll get into where that kind of went awry as the season went along, but that mid-range game became such a valuable part of his repertoire he could start to kind of kill defenses who were going to give him that mid-range shot um did you have any other sort of skill development things from fred from last year to this year that kind of popped out to you that is like oh wow that's like a pretty notable thing i didn't really know he had that in his bag or is the mid-range kind of the big thing the mid-range is definitely the big thing i think you know his handle um is something mm -hmm. that's improved a lot as well um and that's kind of like a like a foreshadowing to like a play of the year that we're going to get to later Ooh. on. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I just think like, and we talk about the development of the Raptors team, just, it's just incredible to see. Like I'm, I've always been kind of hesitant with where this team is going, especially after Kawhi left. And so mm -hmm. I think the fact that we're so good at developing everybody um, and just to see him the way he's progressed. I mean, it's been very like awesome. Mm -hmm. And I noted that the sort of, shooting at the rim kind of decreased as the season went along it's actually you know all told over the course of the season it was still by far his best ever season shooting inside three feet per basketball reference 40 uh sorry 65 percent from zero to three feet his next highest career mark was 56.7 back in the bench mob season in 2017-18 he's never really sniffed 65 ish or north of 60 uh frankly since then it's been uh it was a really really big change for him yeah you know the sort of the comment that always kind of sticks with me about Fred is uh, Joe Wolfon, friend of the show, kind of pointing out that Fred is the best bad scorer at the rim in the, in, like, in the world because of like the finishes he's able to pull out, the English he puts on the ball, and he kind of put the bad finisher thing away this season and became a really good finisher around the basket. Floater range, not so great, just 31%, um, but that long mid-range, again, a career-high 44.1% on a career-high or second-to-career-high volume from that range as well. You know, 11.6% of his shots were coming from six 16 to three point range and that is like a huge little wrinkle to add to his game that all kind of went away as the season went along unfortunately because he got ground into dust because of the minutes totals he was playing and because he was asked to handle so much um so i you know i kind of have a hard time like grading his season karina because it, we didn't really get to see the full breadth of it, right? We didn't really get to see how he operated within the sort of construct of the team that it kind of developed over the course of the year. Um, and, and we'll get into the sort of negative side of Fred VanVleet's season in just one second here and, and kind of, you know, go through things that could be worked on. Or was it kind of just a matter of injury? And maybe the like, Fred VanVleet that we saw at the start of the season is just the Fred VanVleet to expect going forward. We'll talk about that in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Athletic Greens, a wonderful company that I use every single day and it makes me feel better especially considering I usually have the eating habits of like an 18 year old who's living on his own for the first time I'm almost 30 it's fine I uh, compensate for that by having athletic greens and ensuring that I get all of the nutrition that I need in one 
healthy scoop of AG1, their wonderful formula that contains 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things your body is a kind of a, a fickle being and you got to treat it right. You got to give it the right nutrition and AG1 is here to help you with that. You don't have to go and get on one of these like crazy regimens of insane supplements every single day. It's all there in one scoop for the low, low price of uh, not $100 a day, which is what the founder of AG1 was once paying for his supplement regimen because he wasn't getting the proper nutrition. He was a high level adventure athlete and it just wasn't working for him. Doctor said, dude, you got to get some more nutrients in you. And so he created the solution and it is highly affordable compared to the typical, all right, here's this pill, this pill, this pill. I got to have all these bottles. I got to have them all in the little old person tins to know which days I'm taking them on. You don't want to do that. You just want to go with the one scoop of AG1. You just stick it in your fridge. You pull it out when you make a smoothie or a glass of water in the morning and you are all set. They are also a climate neutral certified company in 2020 AG purchased carbon credits that support projects protecting old growth rainforest, which is very important. And for every purchase, they donate to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in needs, in need that is, including No Kid Hungry in the U.S. They donated over 1.2 million meals to kids in 2020. To make it easier, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs for your first with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com/nba-network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com/nba-network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed all right we continue on here with your first listen of the day talking about the season that was for fred van vliet with krina mustafa of the parlay uh krina let's uh dig into the uh the darker side of fred van vliet's season if you will that makes it sound very sinister it wasn't quite that it was very explainable he played 38 minutes a game he got tired. He got injuries. His knees, his back, whatever it was, were starting to pile up. It was very reminiscent, I think, of the 2014-15 Kyle Lowry season where he just had to carry such an insane burden over the course of the season with DeMar DeRozan hurt, with him being clearly the best player on the team, and it caught up to him by season's end because he was six feet tall in a league where everyone else is taller than six feet tall. Karina, what was your sort of, like, let's dig into the injury stuff. Do you think there was anything other than injury kind of informing his play down the stretch of the season? Do you think at all the sort of changing complexion of the team with Pascal becoming, you know, sort of the, the go-to guy, Scotty kind of emerging as sort of the second best player on the team in the back part of the season? Um, do you think that affected the way Fred played at all? Or do you think it was a matter of just he didn't have it physically and that led to his numbers kind of going off a cliff? 
I think it was a number of factors. I think that all kind of contributed to it. Like I said this since the beginning of the season, playing your guys 40 minutes a game was just not sustainable. And like, I know a lot of people were angry about that because they were like, you know, we should just have fun and enjoy this team. I'm like, okay, but look what happened to Fred in the end, right? Sure. Um, and then at the same time, it's also been a season of adjustment. Like he, we know Fred is used to playing like at the two. And so just to have this like kind of new role with, like you said, like Scotty and Pascal, like emerging the way they did like as the season went on um i think it was just a matter of like trying to learn all these new things like and like adapting to the system and then mm -hmm. of course if you're being run into the ground like every single game like at some point it's like something's got to give right and yeah. so i think obviously there are more positives and there are negatives for fred this season but um i think with the injuries and with the way that he has been like adapting to his role i think by the end of it it was kind of like what do we do now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it got to the point in the playoffs where, you know, I said it, and obviously they very much missed a healthy version of Fred Van Vliet, but that wasn't an attainable thing in the playoffs. And I thought they were better off without him. Kind of not dissimilar to what's happening with the Heat right now, where if Kyle Lowry can't be Kyle Lowry, then you probably shouldn't have a sort of diminished 60% version of Kyle Lowry on the floor. It was the exact same idea with Fred Van Vliet. He couldn't stay in front of James Harden or Tyrese Maxey. He couldn't knock down the threes that were just like being sh shoveled into his mouth by, by Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes nonstop. Uh, there's some imagery for you. Um, hungry, hungry <laughs> hippos, Fred over in the corner, just bricking threes. But yeah, it, it just, it, it never really clicked in that back part of the season. And I really do attribute it mostly to injury. And, and I, like, I think the you know, there are other factors, of course, the sort of changing complexion of the team, but he's always been such a good off-ball player in the past, and I think he is one of the best off-ball players in the league. I don't think moving to off-ball a little bit more often was that big a contributor here. Maybe it takes a little bit away from production because he's not on the ball every possession, but I really do kind of view the injuries as the thing that really kind of doomed his season. If you look again to sort of the, the February 17th cutoff point, uh, before that, he was shooting 47.4% on 4.6 catch-and-shoot threes a game, 34.1% on five pull-up threes a game. Like, that's immense. That's a lot of three-point attempts. That's like 10 a game, and he was burying them. He was 40% overall in that first 50 games. After that, he goes down to 29.4% on four and a half catch and shoots a game, 29.6 on 4.7 pull-ups a game, and 29.1% overall on just about the same volume in the 15 games after that February 17th cutoff. And it's really easy to just say, well, that it's the injury because the threes he would have been getting had he been healthy, like the threes he was getting, were really good threes, man. There were wide open threes all over the place because Pascal Siakam was just carving up opposing defense in that back part of the season and you know when the Raptors were not quite humming along it's usually because those threes weren't falling it wasn't really on Pascal outside of a couple games where the touch was off from you know his mid-range and stuff like that and so it, it just all of the numbers just take such a sharp dip as soon as the injury stuff comes in I think it's kind of undeniable that that was the biggest reason why you kind of lost peak Fred Van Vliet in the back part of the year. And again, I think it's kind of a shame because a fully functioning Fred Van Vliet, I've made this point since the playoffs ended, the Raptors never had access really to their best play, which is Siakam and Fred working a two-man game. Whoever's screening for whomever, like that was instant buckets for the Raptors all season long up until the All-Star break. Afterwards, it kind of dissipates and it's not difficult really to, I think, pinpoint the reason why. So I have a lot of hope actually that a healthy Fred Van Vliet coming back next season into the construct of this team is going to be damn effective. 
I guess it does turn to the minutes question, Krina, which is a difficult thing to kind of figure out. The Raptors have a team style and play, you know, play, play build team building model and play style that they have really committed to. And it doesn't seem like that's going to change. And I don't know if they have designs on going to get like a classic backup point guard to fill in for Fred Van Vliet. Like, but to your point about the minutes and playing 40 minutes a game, I didn't have such a problem with it this year because they weren't, you know, a, a team that had designs on a championship. But as the expectations grow, you have to be more mindful of using the regular season and keeping guys fresh as much as you can for the games that are going to matter most. How would you go about it if you are the Raptors trying to take minutes off of Fred Van Vliet's plate? Is it just a matter of having Scotty and Pascal just be the backup point guards and sort of run them and sort of stagger the minutes? Is it a matter of bringing in a classic point guard, <coughs> DeLon Wright? Uh, or is there <laughs> another sort of way you, that you would go about trying to limit Fred's exposure in the regular season next year? I mean, I'm definitely on the side of like Fred needs help. So mm -hmm. let's bring in somebody. I don't know who that is. I my thing is like Nick Nurse does not want to play anybody mm -hmm. like yeah. <laughs> to back him up because I feel like we would have seen Malachi play more minutes this year, maybe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think with the coaching style is probably not going to match the solution. Um <laughs> Yeah, but, like, if it were up to me, like, I'd bring in someone else because, yeah, there's mm -hmm. no way this can continue, especially, like, because they're going to get to that championship level again. Like, there's no doubt about that. They're they're totally. only, like, a couple pieces away, right? And so once that happens, like, you can't have this 40 minutes per game. Yeah, I I agree with that. And, and you know, I, I'm torn between, like, do you get, like, another 6'9 ball handler who helps with that? Maybe Delano Banton's an answer. We don't know what his summer of development's going to look like. Maybe he can be a guy who sort of still fits the ethos of the team while also helping Fred to not have to play 10,000 minutes a game. I, I wish I believed Malachi Flynn was going to be the solution there. Where are you at with Flynn, Karina? Like, are you like a Flynn believer? Are you, uh, you know, Raptors Nation all, all the way? Uh, <laughs> or are you maybe kind of, uh, maybe like the Raptors kind of seem a little bit cool on his overall upside and the way he can help this team? I am a Flynn believer, but still like with a little bit of nuance to it, you know, sure, like I'm not sure. asking him, I'm not saying he's the next like whatever superstar, but I think that like he just needs that chance, you know, like mm -hmm. he just needs, like he's showing us flashes of what he can be like before he came into the league, like he was like the best like playmaker and all that um, like in college. So I'm like, yeah, you know what, like. But like we drafted him for a reason, right? Like we didn't draft him to sit on the bench uh, yeah. for the entire season, right? So I, I'm in the club of give Malachi a chance, let him show us what he can do. Yeah, I think I'm on the other side of that fence where I'm just like, okay, he's he's got he's had some moments, and yeah, like he hasn't had a ton of opportunity to go and snatch the job. And kind of the one time where he did, when Fred was hurt in the back part of the season, he himself got hurt after like four games and missed the rest of the season more or less. So like. I'm fine bringing Flynn back and like seeing if he can run with a job and, and you know become the sort of backup to fill in for Fred, but I, I don't have crazy high hopes for that. And I ultimately think the solution is you just got to be smarter staggering Fred's minutes. It, it, like if you're going to go all in on six nine and, and everybody, you know, if you bring back Thad Young for example, like that's a little extra ball handling and playmaking. If Delano Banton can take a small step, you have Pascal Scotty, you have Delano, hopefully Thad 
you know, maybe Gary Trent Jr. takes a little step up when it comes to his ball handling. They had him on the ball quite a bit in the postseason to very mixed results. But I, I think there's sort of like a by committee solution to making Fred play 32 minutes as opposed to 38. It just, I think, is on the rest of the dudes on the team to play to a standard that Nick Nurse is comfortable with, keeping his point guard, who he trusts the most, on the bench for 16 minutes a night, right? It's... You know, I think Nurse probably has to do a little inward reflection as well on this one and maybe sort of recalibrate, you know, I don't want to say they got to go all the way fully back to like 2018-19 where they load managed Kawhi 25 times or whatever it was. But I do wonder if maybe there's got to be a slight recalibration like there was with Kyle Lowry in that 2017-18 year where they realized, oh God, we keep running this guy into the ground every year. Uh, He's very important to us. We should probably try to trim back the minutes. I think there's an avenue to doing it with the roster as is with maybe a mid-level exception addition, but yeah, certainly wouldn't complain if they brought in an interesting point guard to sort of serve as the backup. Again, DeLon Wright, please come to me. Uh, (laughs) um, As far as like skills for Fred that could use work kind of independent of the injury stuff, is there something that stands out to you, Karina, that you'd like to see sort of maybe added to his game, refined, touched up uh, going into next season? I think just even more in general with the Raptors offense. I mean, we know their half-court offense was absolutely terrible. This year is so (laughs) frustrating. Um, Just, like, don't be afraid to run more pick and roll. Like, it's just – it's so frustrating to me. It's like they get the ball – and then, like, nothing is happening. Yeah. <laughs> Let's run nine play. sort of showy pretend handoffs before we start doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, that's that's my biggest thing with the offense. And, you know, Fred can obviously contribute to that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, my sort of thing that I think Fred can do that I'd like to see next season is tied to my stat of the year. So I will use that as the jumping off point because I'm a professional ass podcaster, Karina, to tease (laughs) to the final segment. We're going to come back on the other side, talk about the uh, stat of the year, the play of the year for Fred VanVleet as well, and the outlook for 2022-23. Before we do that, however, I want to tell you about our pals over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars in the land Tell about I tell you about them like three times a week, four times a week. They're they're all over the place here on the podcast, but it's for a good reason because Built Bars rock, and I am a satisfied customer. I am someone who doesn't like like a heavy breakfast, doesn't like to sort of weigh myself down with like eggs in the morning. So I much rather get my protein in bar form, and Built Bar is a great way to do it because they taste great. They don't have that sort of gritty, sandy, nasty feeling that most protein bars have. They actually just taste like a candy bar. It makes you feel like you're being indulgent even in the morning. It feels like you're having a Mars bar at 10 a.m. but in fact it's good stuff for you that's going to help power you through power you through your day it's great for if you're kind of getting that like two o'clock burnout and you're getting tired maybe you want to go take a nap instead go have a built bar it'll help you power you through the rest of your afternoon as well uh and all of their bars contain an on average 130 calories four grams of sugar four grams of net carbs and 17 grams of protein that's like eight times less sugar than the standard candy bar and uh it's like nowhere near in the range of the carbs or anything like that as well you got to go and try it out it's also half the calories of a typical candy bar so you again feel like you're being indulgent without actually being indulgent go to built.com Use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, to get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. 
part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we round out your first listen of the day here with Krino Mustafa of the Parlay, digging into Fred Van Vliet's stat of the year, play of the year, and outlook for 2022-23. We have not revealed our stats and plays of the year beforehand. Krina did maybe tease a little bit to her play of the year earlier on in the show. Uh, but let's begin with the stats of the year. Krina, I will cede the floor to you. What is your Fred Van Vliet stat of the year? So I couldn't find the total number, but my stat of the year was when he surpassed Kyle Lowry for the most three-pointers made in a season as a Raptor. Oh, hell yeah. Um, yeah, so I couldn't find the total number of threes he ended up making this season for some reason, but I know that he surpassed 238 for sure, because that was mm-hmm. Kyle's record. Um, and he also has 793 like total three-pointers made in like mm-hmm. as a Raptor for like the entire his entire career, um, and that that's places him third behind uh, Morris Peterson and Kyle Lowry. So I, I think that's pretty cool. That's amazing. Yeah, 242 made threes for him ah, this season, all told. Uh, to again take the all-time franchise lead he's like we're in the territory now with him and siakam where i think we're going to start seeing some like serious milestone stuff for these guys pretty much every year which is pretty cool um isn't longevity awesome keeping your players around for a long time it's very cool i like it uh, <laughs> my stat of the year karina is a little bit more uh sort of tied to what i would like to see from fred van vliet next season and that is the number 15.3, which is a percentage. It's 15.3% of his possessions that came as a spot-up player for the Raptors. Uh, The reason I say that is the stat of the year, because I don't think that's high enough. I think it should be higher than that, Karina. Fred Van Vliet is one of the best off-ball players in the NBA. The way he scurries around and makes defenses worry about his shooting, the fact that he can stretch it out to 35 feet if he really feels like it, it's all the recipe for a kick-ass off-ball player, kind of like a like a little bit meaner and less sort of explosive version of Steph Curry, but same kind of idea. Um, and again, 15.3 possessions. It's not like it's a small amount, but I do think that should be upticked in some way because... This season, Fred Van Vliet, as a spot-up player, uh, averaged 1.2 points per possession when he was in those situations, or the Raptors averaged 1.2 points per possession when Fred Van Vliet uh, tried to score in a spot-up situation, most of the time as a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. He was literally the best catch-and-shoot three-point shooter in the league for the first half of the season or so. I went through that number, 47.5% on catch-and-shoots on very high volume in the first 50 games that he played. Um... He was in the 91st percentile of guys when it came to uh, spot up uh, efficiency and like the guys in his tier, like who played a lot and actually weren't just sort of like small sample heroes in those situations. There's maybe five or 10 guys who were kind of better than him. You throw in Paul George, uh, Desmond Bain was in there, Chris Middleton, like that's the kind of area you're looking at here with Fred as a spot up guy. And to me, like that 15.3 should be uptick to 25, 30%. And I think it's possible Because I do think the sort of grand vision of this team is you kind of have the dueling lead sort of guys in in Siakam and Barnes who are your go-to creators with their size and their passing ability. They're able to warp a defense once they plunge into it. And then you kind of have Fred and OG and Gary Trent Jr. just kind of roving around those dudes. I think at sort of full peak capacity with Fred not injured, which we, again, didn't really get to see very much of this season. I think that's kind of the dream scenario for Van Vliet. And obviously he's going to run some point guard and stuff like that. But even if they can't get his minutes down to 32 a game, if maybe they get it down to 35 or 
or something, if you can just limit his exposure as an on-ball guy and just kind of keep him hanging off ball and bombing threes, that's probably going to help preserve him as well, too. What do you think of the idea of Fred Van Vliet just just sort of being unleashed as a very high-volume off-ball spot-up guy? I would love that. I mean, <laughs> like, well, like, how could you not love that? Like, that, yeah. that's like that's his that's his prime and like ultimate like position like and role that yeah. he would play. Yeah, and I think look, if he does that, it might cut into you know his like all star numbers and stuff like that. It might cut into his assist totals, but I do think like the health of the Raptors' offense with a dude that dangerous roaming around off ball would be a very worthy trade off. For that uh let's get to our fred van vliet plays of the year karina who do you got or what do you have for your favorite play of the year from fred van vliet yeah so it was against the wizards in like okay December. um so basically what happens is scotty passes fred the ball fred pump pump fakes at the three-point line he ends up making his way through the to the basket and i think like daniel gafford was on him and so he tries to create some space and he like frantically like turns around and like almost loses the ball and there's like three wizards around him uh, <laughs> and then he like cross dribbles it behind the back and then like pulls up for a jumper it was like crazy insane um <laughs> it was like it was like the the, the like penultimate like this is Fred Van Vliet. He will stress yeah. you out, but then he'll show you how good he is. <laughs> yeah, the like the version of like the Bismack Biombo mid-range jumper is Fred Van Vliet <laughs> dribbling for uh, like 19 seconds and then making something amazing happen. Um, exactly. No, 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 no for 19 seconds. And then yes, hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good one. When I was looking back, I was kind of going through Fred's highlights for the season to try to pick my play of the year. And it really is like a nice little melange of things. Right, you got pull up threes, you got catch and shoot threes from 45 feet away. You've got those hilarious dribble moves, you know, getting to the bucket, scoring through contact. A uh, very diverse set of excellent plays from Fred Van Vliet this season. I have two that I'm having a hard time choosing between, but I guess I got to do it for the sake of the podcast. Uh, I will go all the way back to the first month or so of the season. The Raptors are playing in Philadelphia. No Pascal Siakam. It's a close game against the Sixers. I believe the score at this time is 110-109 Raptors. OG Ananobi drives, kicks to the right corner. Fred Van Vliet puts up a three. It rattles around in the kind of fashion that I'm sure made Philly fans feel very sad and triggered. (laughs) And Fred Van Vliet, as it falls in, runs back towards the bench in front of Sam Cassell, assistant coach of the Sixers, and does the big balls dance. Uh, Maybe early in the season to pull that out. I don't think it's ever too early in the season to pull out that, but uh, that to me stands out as uh, my Fred play of the year. Uh, the I was other very one close that to choosing that one. Oh, excellent! <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> we had different choices. Um, my backup was in the triple overtime game against the Heat. He did not have a very good game. He was 7 of 22, but he kind of had this knack all season long when he did have those rough shooting nights of always hitting like hilariously clutch threes at the very moment where you thought, well, this isn't going in, and then it did. Um, This was in the second overtime, so it didn't clinch the game or anything like that, but it was a big-time three. Siakam and Fred try to run a little two-man game. They double Siakam. It comes to Fred. He's standing on the Heat logo and pours one in uh, and helps extend that to triple overtime. Of course, the Raptors end up winning that i'm finding a lot of my favorite plays for most of these guys are coming from that eight game stretch where they played the heat the hornets the hawks and the bulls Mm -hmm. twice uh that was a very fun stretch they went seven and one many good plays to be had in there um but that is my those are my i guess plays of the year i broke the rules and went with two uh karina (laughs) let's now turn our attention to 2022 23 the outlook for fred van vliet i think the interesting one here is 
he was an all-star this season, a very deserving all-star this season. You know, the numbers as the season went along, you know, any all-NBA case kind of, you know, dissipated and wasn't quite there. We don't yet know if he's going to make all-defense. It seemed like he's on some ballots, which I think would be very deserved and would be awesome to see. Um, but for you, I, I'm curious about the all-star thing going into next season. Do you think he's the kind of guy who can become sort of a perennial all-star, beginning with his second straight in 2022-23, or... With the way the team seems to be kind of taking shape, with Pascal becoming kind of the engine of the offense and presumably Scotty scaling up a little bit in terms of his responsibility, do you think it's maybe unrealistic to project Fred Van Vliet as an all-star in 2022-23? What do you got? I think it's unrealistic, but hear me out. Um, yeah. I think he deserves it. I think he will, like he deserves to be all-star next year again. He will perform like that. But I feel mm -hmm. like this year it was such a drag to get him like there. Like whether that was through like voting or like <laughs> bullying media or like whatever it was. It just felt like a last minute like thing where it was like, oh my God, it took up all of our energy to get him into the yeah. all-star game. And yeah. so I feel like with the way that the Raptors kind of go with you know, how they get accolades themselves as a team. Mm -hmm. I find it very hard to see, like, if he repeats again, maybe, mm -hmm. hopefully. Like, I'm I'm thinking maybe Scotty will be an all-star next, next year. It's not crazy. Like that's, like, that's not crazy to think about, right? So mm -hmm. I would hope he would make it, but I'm still kind of cautious that, you know, we're going to have to drag him to all-star status again, even though he's shown that he, like, deserves to be there, which is crazy. Yeah. I love Matt Devlin with all of my heart. If I ever hear the phrase Freddie All-Star again, I'm going to throw all of my household items at the TV and start listening to the radio broadcast. Uh, Matt, please come back on the show sometime soon. Uh, we love you. Uh, but my God. Uh, I think, yeah, I'm not penciling in to be an All-Star next season, and it's because of what we kind of just talked about. I think the shape of the team is going to kind of really make itself clear next season. And I do think Scotty and Pascal are going to kind of be the dueling heads of the snake. And I don't think it's a bad thing if Fred's not an all-star. In fact, I think if Fred isn't in the position where he has to carry the team with all-star level production to the point that he carried them over the course of the first half, A, that's going to help preserve him, and B, I think the team's just going to be kind of healthier as a result. The offense will be better looking, the, the catch-and-shoot threes will be there, uh, and I think the sort of hierarchy will be established to the point that maybe Fred's not a 26-5 and five guy, maybe he's a... 18 you know six and six guy or something like that or you know 18 five and five something like that um but i think the overall health and complexion of the team will be vastly improved and it also might open him up to be uh you know the sort of monstrous defender that he's always been as well i, I just think as good as fred van vliet is he might have been overextended in spots this season and i think if he's kind of maybe more in that third or fourth option role on offense where he obviously he's still sort of very organizing. He is going to run a lot of possessions. He's going to have the ball in his hands quite a bit. But I think if you can kind of tilt it a little bit more towards Siakam and Barnes, that's kind of the ideal vision and allows Fred to kind of be himself and be, again, one of the best off-ball players alive. And I think that will ultimately mean the team is better, even if it means he's not an all-star, which, hey, you know, I'm sure Fred would take that trade-off. He was very proud and, and happy to make the all-star game, of course. I'm sure he wants to do both, but I'm guessing, just knowing the way that dude's wired, he'll be happier with the team that's better in position to win games than if he's the sort of, you know, lead guy in a 500-ish team and he's got a 26% usage or whatever. So 
it's kind of my outlook for next year. Karina, any parting shots, any final thoughts on Fred VanVleet before we wrap this thing up? That was a fun little rhyme. I'm going to tune that, turn that into a recurring thing. Uh, anyway, carry on. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, he's a fun player. I mean, I'm like, I've been so ecstatic with the way that the Raptors have developed their guys and seeing Fred yeah. kind of grow into this has been awesome. Uh, like, I want nothing but the best for him and this team. So enjoy yeah. Raptors basketball and enjoy Fred VanVleet. Yes, enjoy it. It's great. Like the sort of the vitriol that came during the postseason after like a bad game three uh, was insane considering he was horribly injured uh, for the back part of the season and could barely move. And it was obvious the whole time. Um, yeah, I'm just excited for kind of a fresh start for him. And also, uh, I'm looking to extend him this offseason if I'm the Raptors as well. I, I think... Uh, you know, he's going to be up for an extension. He's got the player option at the end of next year uh, that I'm sure he's going to want to try to cash in on. And uh, if I'm the Raptors, I don't want to mess up what I've got building here. I want to give this thing time to marinate. And I'm extending both Pascal and Fred if I can, just to ensure you have a core around Scotty Barnes going forward that is ready to compete and support him in the way that you want your superstar players to be supported. Um, so yeah, I I'm fully in on extending and ensuring that he's around for a very, very long time. Because, you know, again, maybe he's not Pete Kyle Lowry, you know, where he was the greatest Raptor of all time and he was a multi-time All-Star and all of that. But I do think Fred is an excellent player and is the kind of guy that you should want to keep around they they handed off the keys to the right guy. Let's let's just put it that way. Um, with that, we will round up the show. Krina, anything you would like to promote for the good people out there? Uh, you can follow me over at Krina MM. Uh, I post all my work there. I'll be doing a lot of WNBA content this season over at the Parlay. So make sure you yeah. follow us on socials as well. I'm very very excited. Yeah, you, co-workers with James Sharman now. Like James Sharman's a co-worker he's with you. Awesome. Uh, yeah, he's he's your co-worker. You're not his co-worker. You're, <laughs> you, you, you. <laughs> but that that's uh, you guys are doing some great stuff over there. Uh, excited to to keep tabs on everything you've got going over there at the Parlay. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to follow, rate, review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can go check out our previous player reviews on OG Ananobi with Katie Heindel yesterday, Vivek Jacob on Pascal Siakam on Monday, and I went solo to talk about Chris Boucher and Scotty Barnes last Friday and Thursday, if you want to check those out. On tomorrow's show, we're talking Precious Achua with the world's number one noted Precious Achua stand, Samson Folk from Raptors Republic, so that'll be fun. Uh, and then we'll talk about Gary Trent Jr. on Friday, guest TBD. That might just be a solo one. We'll see, but either way, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Wait, today's Wednesday. Thursday, another episode <laughs> of Locked On Raptors. In the meantime, time go and listen to locked on leafs our boys mike and dave breaking down one of the most uh heart palpitation inducing hockey games i've ever watched last night uh and they did a great job breaking it all down so go and check that out and uh hop on the leafs bandwagon baby they forced a game seven that's all <laughs> they're not winning in six <laughs> that's clearly going seven but hey uh you take what you can get and uh, we'll talk to you again on thursday with another episode of locked on raptors Bye bye Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.